the pandemic, civil unrest, protest, and the road to the White House. You are listening to The John DePietro Show. J.K.L. Engineering. Folks, whether it's wintertime, spring, or summer, they'll keep you nice and comfortable in your home. Why not let J.K.L. Engineering let them design and install a natural gas, high-efficiency carrier infinity system? Energy-efficient, quiet, more affordable than you think. No gas, no problem. Let J.K.L. Engineering design and install a high-efficiency heat pump system, including ductless splits. Heats in the winter, cools in the summer. These units are so efficient, it can reduce your oil bill as by as much as 90%. They have the highest rebates in the market, and they also do new installation replacement of high-efficiency gas boilers. Now, J.K.L., is a carrier factory authorized dealer. They're licensed in Rhode Island and Massachusetts. Folks, let's face it. Being inside, being comfortable in your home, is there anything more important right now with what we're going through? Call J.K.L. Engineering. Central Air is a game changer for your life. Talk about improving quality of life. Here's what I'm saying. J.K.L., they'll keep you warm in the wintertime and cool in the summertime. 53 years of experience, their reputation second to none whether you're in rhode island or massachusetts call jkl engineering today estimates are free financing is available for both residential and commercial call my friends at jkl 401-351-7600 remember estimates are free financing is available let's be nice and comfortable in your home jkl 401-351-7600 you're listening to the John DePietro Show, folks. Weekdays, we start at 11. We go till 2. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at the website, petro.com. It's time for our segment, Politics This Week. Join me. He is the managing editor of OceanStateCurrent.com. It's Justin Katz. And Justin, let's start off with, um, well, Saturday night, there was a protest Saturday at the Rhode Island State House. A number of the uh, protesters were then hanging around, walking around the city, and lo and behold, they end up Saturday night in front of the home of Governor Gina Raimondo. And whereas last time they were there for a very brief period of time and chanting and so forth. This time uh, they stayed. They stayed for, they were there a good 90 minutes. They had food. I'm also hearing that it's possible the restaurant that provided the food to them offered to buy them dinner if they would uh, protest in front of the governor's house. She was not there. But um, the police, I was there, Providence and also Rhode Island uh, State Police, they basically let them just stand there at a bullhorn, uh, yelling obscenities, demanding a meeting with her. And that this is all part of the the whole element of the um, the situation about the defunding of the police. Right. Well, I mean, in that regard, the <laughs> their demands are, are pretty unserious. I think they want a, what, a 70 percent reduction in the the budget of the Providence police this year, all of that to go to general, generally progressive causes and, and affordable housing and that sort of thing. Uh, so that it's not ex- terribly serious. Uh, the majority of them are white. It's not clear how many actually live in the city and certainly how many actually live in, in kind of dangerous parts of the city. Nationally, we see that the people who actually live in neighborhoods where a lot of these, these incidents happen between police and black men generally, uh, the people in those neighborhoods don't really want the police to go away because they know they help to keep some level of security. So there's there's some level of unseriousness about the demands. And nationally, we're seeing politicians start to back away from it, it a, a bit. Uh, what will be interesting to see is whether the people in neighborhoods that are affected by these, you know, when, now that the protests, and we're seeing this nationally, uh, now that they're moving out of those poorer neighborhoods, um, and into neighborhoods such as Gina Raimondo's or the incident uh, in the South where the, the, the lawyer and his wife went out with, with guns to ward people off their, their property. It'll, it'll be interesting to see if people start pushing back and demanding, you know, we can't have protesters on our block shouting swear words for 90 minutes every night. Uh, so that's, that's going to be an interesting balance to see. And I wonder how many, how many people quietly are changing their point of view on a, on a lot of issues? I, I mean, we, you see, as I mentioned with the lawyer with the gun, 
apparently he was a Democrat out there, you know, wielding a weapon. You, you wonder if a lot of people are starting to think, you know what, maybe we do need to be able to have guns. Maybe we do need to move away from these progressive identity politics. And the, they probably won't say it out loud. So the, that would create the opportunity for you know, the, the silent majority and kind of surprise turns of events in the elections. And so those will be the indicators that I'll be watching for. And you can hope for change, probably not in Rhode Island, though. There were a couple of side notes about this. They, um, they would not give interviews to the media. And there were, you know, uh, the, uh, obviously the journal was there in the Globe and the television stations. They did have printed cards they were handing out. Now, usually I just got the impression that they were sent there, that they were instructed, you know, get there, do this, do that, bullhorns. They did have uh, uh, dinner provided to them. By the way, this was on a Saturday night when Rhode Islanders, if you had more than 15 Right. You're going to get uh, called to the, the stitch line or whatever you want to call it. And then, you know, the, the police should be five hundred dollar fines. He had I counted about 30 of them at one point, but it was tough to tell because they kind of come and go. And then there was some with them. They're young. Some of them, there were a couple of older people, but definitely young. I also heard the leader at one point say to someone, what time is it? Seven thirty. Oh, OK. All right. Then at seven thirty, we can go. So if that was truly like they were in charge it'd be maybe they're going to stay there till nine o'clock, 10 o'clock. What are you going to do? But it almost, to me, it, it, it rang as if someone said, and stay there till seven 30, or, you know, I'll give you this if you go till seven 30. Um, what do you think, what should governor Amundo do? Should she meet with meet with them? Well, I, I don't think so. And, you know, as you indicate, <laughs> it's not impossible that these are kind of paid protesters who just, you know, here's some money, go hang out here for an hour and a half, go with the bullhorn, have some fun uh, toward a political end. And so I, if she if she meets with them or to the extent this kind of behavior gets, gets anything, uh, it just in, encourages it uh, and creates the opportunity for more of it. And the, the, to some extent, she can't meeting with them, not meeting with them won't help because they're getting the news media coverage. Uh, that they they want and as you indicate on your website they they just the news media is not going to neighbors houses what do you think of this no uh, they're not they're not looking into who's funding it uh, or what all right who brought you that food you know they i saw that they said it was homemade food uh, that seems kind of all right somebody's bringing trays of homemade food to an hour and a half a spontaneous hour and a half protest uh, there's a lot that starts to not add up and it's not being covered because the narrative is these are just you know, mostly peaceful protests responding to injustice uh, from the police. And I, so I, I don't think the governor should meet with them. I think, as I said earlier, nationally, some of the politicians are moving away from this because once once you start asking voters, what do you think of the idea of defunding police by 70 percent uh, in one year? you're going to get a lot of people saying, yeah, I'm not so in favor of that. And I, I so I, I think we're going to see this marginalized, but it'll keep going because, you know, it's an election year ploy. I mean, we, you can almost set your, set your calendar. Once you, it's like a reminder, you know, you don't need to, you don't need to remind yourself to vote in November because you just watch for the, the race marches uh, and the news coverage of, of injustice in the streets and that kind of thing. Uh, so I, there's, there'd be no point to meeting with them from the governor's perspective because it's 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 really all indications seem to be it's a political action and until that's politically helpful for the governor which i don't think it is she probably won't meet with them just um uh, two other quick notes on that number one as you know the governor has nothing to do with the budget of the providence police that would be mayor alorza they have been to alorza's house and by the way something else that was not mentioned in any of the reporting on this and even i just but the last time uh, this group was out was they they spray painted and they vandalized Councilman Igliosi's home, and they uh, put, you know, they damaged his vehicle and flattened his tires. So I would just, you know, um, like to see a little more. The, the, there was no purpose there other than just being a complete stunt. And let's go into what was your thought on Governor Mundo uh, announced last week because Rhode Island's numbers are ticking up that there is this uh, hotline established now with the Rhode Island State Police that you're supposed to call, uh, say, hey, my neighbor has more than 15 people. 
the police, the, the way I understand it, state police then call whatever your community is, but they are the, the main part of this. And then, um, and then as a result of that, they could be up to $500 fines. What do you think of that, Justin Katz? Well, not just that. It could be, my understanding, $500 per person. Per person. So per if, person. If, you're, yeah. if you're over 15, you're talking about a, a, a minimum a fine of $8,000 uh, altogether, yeah. uh, which is, if you put it that way, I mean, $500 sounds like a lot, but it almost seems like they picked it to sound like a lot, but people would kind of say, all right, that's not you won't break the bank, but if you're talking 8,000 and if you acknowledge that number, it really starts to point the, a finger at what this, this kind of overreach looks like. And the idea that we have a, a whole unit, a new unit in the state police to okay. crack down on gatherings on private property, uh, you start to wonder where is that silent majority speaking up and saying, we're not going to accept this. Uh, and so, I, I mean, that may have to wait until people start actually feeling the, the crunch on it. Uh, but the what really jumps out at me is the the numbers do not substantiate or justify the escal escalating like this. I mean, they basically we've hit our. It seems like looking at the numbers, we've hit a steady stream of this is what we're going to have at this level of activity at this time of year with this virus. I just it's not it's not escalating. So if we've got all these. I mean, it's what a hundred people testing positive a day. Hospitalizations have been steady, and keep in mind we're we're not talking people who are in the hospital because of the disease. They're just they're there, they're tested, and they test positive while they're in the hospital for whatever reason. They're in the hospital, and deaths are almost almost non-existent at this point, one to two a day, uh, and again, possibly not even because of the disease, just with the disease. So, the idea that with the, that's those results, and that's what we're seeing in the numbers, that we have to crack down to the extent of creating a new uh, police, a, a new unit in a police department, uh, to and asking neighbors to snitch on each other. It's, it's very disturbing, and I I hope people start to start to wake up to that. Even if we're even if you're frightened of the disease, even if you're wholly on board with the idea that people shouldn't be gathering, everybody should be wearing masks, et cetera, et cetera we're giving up quite a lot and we're ceding a lot of ground uh, to government and specifically to a single politician and governor to make these decrees that suddenly we all have to follow. And I, that's, that's very disturbing. You know, do you think also um, it wasn't fully established us and I was the one there even asking her the question, but it, it is the fine really, for instance, if it's, if it's 20 people, are the first 15 not fined? It's only maybe the five after that. I, I'm very anxious to find out on Wednesday if there was anyone actually fined or just wonder, you know, um, is this really designed for that? You know what else I, I wanted to mention is, I believe Massachusetts, their gathering number is 50. So you have two states. We're on the hot list. They're not. We're at 15 people. Massachusetts no gatherings, no more than 50 people. That, that's another problem with it, Justin, and that is just, you know, how do you have two states side by side? And that that's and there's no mention. I haven't heard any type of mention of five hundred dollar fines in a, a stitch line in Massachusetts. Have you now maybe they haven't. I just but have you heard anything about that? No, I haven't. And I think I think you're you're pointing to something that's important here is it's, it's very it's it's almost it's almost arbitrary and almost as if we're not supposed to take it seriously. I mean, and that's what happens when the governor starts making decrees. We don't know what the fine, how it actually works, who it applies to, how it's imposed, where it goes. That's the kind of result you get when there's a deliberative process through the legislature or even through a regulatory body that's authorized by the legislature to impose fines. You get this sort of detail of what this actually means. So it, it almost sounds like a well, people aren't listening, so let's let's announce a fine, and we'll never actually use it, but it's there, and we can say it's there, and it'll scare people, and they're wearing their masks, and that that just becomes a an arbitrary political decision, and you can get that that can differ from one state to another because it's not actually serious, it's not actually responding to a problem, that it's it's just it's just a, a way to manipulate people, and so I, I that's how you end up with with these just arbitrary and foolish things. I mean, even in Massachusetts, they had to kind of back off the idea with Governor Baker coming out and saying, no, Rhode Islanders, you can still go grocery shopping in our state. And it really emphasizes how 
how silly a lot of these these rules are that you know the same governors who are announcing new restrictions on their own authority are then backing off and saying, well, no, we didn't really mean that. And even Governor Raimondo with, with the fines and breaking up large gatherings said, oh, well, well, look, we're not looking to punish people. We're, if you don't have masks, we'll give you masks. And so it's immediate, it's almost like a carrot stick and you can't even take them seriously. And that, I think people tend to, as, a, as just being human beings, and they will, in this case, just start to ignore it and say, well, these people are just talking. And that, that starts to, if it is actually a dangerous pandemic, that's a very dangerous place to be. Folks, our segment is Politics This Week. He's uh, Justin Katz, managing editor at OceanStateCurrent.com. A lot more ahead. Leave it right here. Uh, quick break on the John DePietro Show. Well, it's a challenge to run your business these days. Maybe you need to find the right type of workers. Why not let MEGA professionals find them for you? Call MEGA professionals today, serving Rhode Island and Massachusetts, 508. 508- 336-7801. MEGA, M-E-G-A, professionals, 508-336-7801. Maybe if you need workers, maybe you have workers that won't come back to work. You need drivers, certified help, part-time, full-time, maybe weekend work. You need the professionals at MEGA Professionals. Let them find the workers for you. They screen them all out. They send them right over to you. Serving Rhode Island, Massachusetts, call them today, 508-336-7801. Maybe you need mechanics or skilled labor or warehouse workers, office workers, professionals, even those in the healthcare profession, MEGA professionals. Call them today, 508-336-7801. Again, 508-336-7801. You focus on your business. Let MEGA professionals help you find the workers. MEGA professionals, 508-336-7801. Have you been thinking about updating your website? Do you have questions about how to get the most out of social media for your business? Would you like a free consultation from a local digital marketing professional who has been doing this work for 23 years? Contact Karen Etchells at Innovast Digital Marketing. Karen will help you better position your brand on the web to engage visitors and get results. She's local and responsive. Call Karen Etchells at 401-321-2799. That's 401-321-2799. Or find Karen on the web at www.innovast.com. When your appliance is dying, just call Ryan, Ryan's Appliance Repair. Call them today, 401-710-7096, 401-710-7096, Ryan's Appliance Repair. Now, I like to tell the story. I don't mind. But one morning, I went up to uh, get up to use the dryer and just had done a wash, and suddenly it wouldn't work. Now, did I panic? No. Did I try to fix it? Don't be ridiculous. No, I called Ryan's Appliance Repair at 401 401- 710-7096. We made an appointment. Ryan said, Juan, I'll be there at, at 9 o'clock at 5 of 9. A truck appeared in my driveway. It said, Ryan's appliance repair. He came right in, fixed the driver, uh, dryer Excuse me, within five minutes. And then, I think it was about two weeks later, I went to make uh, microwave popcorn, and then suddenly the microwave wouldn't work. So what did I do? I called Ryan's appliance repair at 401-710-7096. And then one time, even the oven wasn't working. And again, who did I call? You get the gist of the story. Ryan's Appliance Repair, 401-710-7096, serving Rhode Island and Massachusetts. Now, Ryan offers a senior citizen's discount. All work is guaranteed for 90 days parts and labor. And he'll also do a Saturday appointment. It's Ryan's Appliance Repair. When your appliance is dying, you know who to call. Call Ryan, 401-710-7096. Our segment is Politics This Week. With me is Justin Katz, Managing Editor, OceanStateCart.com. Justin, I want to just say again uh, on what happened when Governor Rundle was announcing more restrictions. What do you make of the fact that um, even though she's saying that the large gatherings are what's causing it, suddenly they said that bars had to close at... 11 o'clock. And when asked why 11, they didn't seem to really be able to come up with a number. What I also find, I don't think it, to me, it makes no sense. And that is you have Block Island had zero cases. Uh, Narragansett one day had zero cases. Westerly had zero cases. Providence had 198 to 200 cases. 
What do you think of the bars being told the bar area must be emptied out? They have to close at 11. And you also have the situation that I really have a problem with, and that is that everyone's treated the same. Even though this is prime time for tourism season in Narragansett, and Block Island, and Westerly, they're treated the same as a bar in Providence, Central Falls, that has to close at 11 o'clock. Well, the, that's more evidence that this isn't, you know, the science-based decision-making. It's just kind of arbitrary picking at it. And it's easy to say, okay, we have to, you have to close your bars. Here's, here's how I'm enforcing this rule. People take me seriously. We're closing the bars at 11. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's almost like just picking on somebody because it's hard to argue. No, no, this is critical that people be able, need to be able to stand at a bar until one o'clock. I mean, <laughs> you can't right. really do that. So it's, it's picking on something that's, that's easy to go after. Um, and now, although it does hurt, even some of Rhode Island, uh, we're, we're kind of in a position where a lot of our, our the, the groups like Chambers of Commerce and Hospitality Association that should should have been pushing back on these things for months. They're, they're really, they don't function properly in Rhode Island. And so they don't really serve their members' interests, in my opinion. But even they are starting to say, come on now, <laughs> people have to earn a living. This is really starting to, to take a, a bite in the middle of tourist season. Uh, so it's, and as you, as you say, the, the numbers just don't justify this. I mean, the, the governor starts to release numbers to, to explain things. So for, for example, with schools, she's setting a limit of a hundred, what is it? A hundred people per 100,000 in your town can't test positive in a week. Uh, or else you can't have fully open schools. So to back this up, she releases numbers of town by town, how many people are testing positive. And in most towns in Rhode Island, they do the little less than five because they don't want to be, you to be able to identify people. So it's you know, one to four people uh, per week. And if, if the average disease lasts two weeks, say, that's, that means you're, you're talking you know, one to what, six people in a town of 16 to 20,000, for example, in, in Rhode Island. How is it rational to just blanket across the state, impose these rules on, on businesses? It's, it's not. And we really need to start asking, where is this authority coming from? I mean, we're, we're supposedly under emergency rules. But in my view, if, you're, I mean, if you read the laws on on the emergencies, it talks about things like shutting down a, a block or marking off areas that people can't enter. That's because it's meant to be, you know, here there was an explosion here, or there's a gas leak here, or there's, you know, whatever, sinkholes or plagues in this, in this little area here. Instead, we're getting broad statewide basis and it applies no matter what, and apparently no matter what the numbers are. I mean, at some point we have to say, this isn't even a pandemic. It's just a, it's a virus that's new. and We don't know a lot about it. Does that mean, we, well, we don't know what this is. Let's shut everything down and give the governor total authority to do whatever she wants. Uh, you have to hope at some point um, people will start to push back and, and maybe they will, but, but it won't be within, maybe it won't happen until, you know, some months from now or a year from now when we really see the economic wreckage and the damage to people's lives that's being caused by this arbitrary rulemaking. Yeah, and I'll say, Justin, I mean, we're five months into it. I, I don't know when some people are going to start to push back. There is an overarching theme, though, that no matter what no matter what kind of job, you know, 80% of the places do say, um, it's constantly, it doesn't seem to matter because then you're just punished along with those that don't do it correctly. So I think you also then, they start to take incentive away. If, if it goes across the board, and it's just arbitrary. All right, that's it. Everybody has to close or eleven, or everyone has to do that. What, what's what's? There's no incentive to do it the right way if you're just going to be treated along with the ones that don't do it the right way. Yeah, and that's been one of the more even people who I thought were independently minded in Rhode Island. There's a oh well, we all have to suffer now because a few didn't follow the rules. No, that's yeah. not how it works. You know, it shouldn't it, work. It's not how in the classroom when one person, one kid's talking, and the teacher makes everybody stay after school for an hour. That's injustice. I mean, if you want to talk about injustice, that's what it looks like. Uh, but instead, there's, it's almost like we've been trained to accept this idea that, well, well, we are a state and some people in the state are misbehaving. So now we all have to suffer. I mean, when did we become children? Uh, that's an, that's a, a question I think we need to start asking ourselves. You know, on one other area I just want to explore in this is, and you and I have talked about it, but I, I was questioning Dr. Scott 
about what why is think about this why is block island with zero cases why are they being treated the same as providence that has 200 cases and she talks about equity and it's important to say that you know the virus can go anywhere in the state and to me justin this becomes a political argument where they don't want to just uh, you know, the restrictions and where they need to crack down and maybe do more of a focus and testing is three areas, Providence, Pawtucket, Central Falls. Those are three school areas that are not going back in person because of what their testing numbers are. So to me, it just makes no sense other than it's a that is a political agenda that you, for some reason, feel everyone should be treated the same, even though, as we know, there's a huge difference between, say, Narragansett and Pawtucket. Well, that, I mean, that starts to get to a great point. I mean, I'd say the the equity idea, and I mean, there's a, there's a reasonable <laughs> there's reasonable argument to be made there, right? It's it's just it's kind of not fair if if the least uh, the the least wealthy communities uh, or the communities that need the most help and the most services can't get them. Uh, because their numbers are high, while other communities can because their numbers are low, even though those other communities are, are kind of of the kind that can better absorb economic and, and educational shock. Uh, but that we, we go the wrong direction. And that's that's a kind of a hallmark of progressive governance is, well, we can't we can't apply the rules that hurt these people who need help. Uh, so we have to hurt everybody in order to be fair about it. And rather than actually trying to solve the initial problems and I, once you once it starts becoming political you have to you have to wonder how much else is political even in the urban areas where you're talking about so the first for schools for example i mentioned the 100 people per 100,000 most communities in Rhode Island do not have 100,000 people so you're talking about a fraction of that so in central falls you have just under 20,000 people that means if in a given week more than 20 test positive you can't open schools that to me is an absurd standard. And if you're going to enforce that standard, why are you doing that? Well, we're seeing a lot of teachers and special interests and in the labor's union, labor unions pushing to not go back to school. So as we discussed last week, it's like the communities that most need to, the structured learning environment have the strongest special interests pushing back against that. And that's, I think, could be the origin of a lot of this as well. Well, we can't go against the union in Providence and Central Falls, so we have to follow, we have to kind of kowtow to them, which means we have to pretend those areas are, are dangerous hotspots and children are in trouble. And if we're doing that, then we can't let the rest of the state go free. And so this is how the political thinking gets you to this point. I mean, it, um, the, the director of health the other day was talking about uh, the importance of wearing masks. And she said, you're very likely to catch the disease if you're in a crowd with no mask. That's only true. And I wrote about this on OceanStateCurrent.com. That's only true if somebody in the crowd has it. If nobody has it, and as we say, even in a city like Providence, you're talking about a, a couple hundred people who have it in a city of 160,000, I think, something around there. No, your odds of actually bumping into somebody who have it are really small. And so that's it, wearing a mask doesn't matter, but it's all goes back to the, the political need, the, the need to make it sound like a bigger thing than it is. Uh, the need to make it sound like we need to shut bars at 11 and have a police unit. It all comes back to that question of, are we really making decisions based on the science and based on uh, the, the math of the situation or is it really just come down to politics and we kind of cover it up with some numbers and some statistics and some statement from some doctor somewhere in a, on the planet uh, that's that's i think where we are and i it speaks to the the unhealthy state of our politics these days folks our segment is politics this week with uh, justin katz managing editor oceanstatecurrent.com a lot more ahead leave it right here on the john DePietro show MEGA truck and trailer repair. Call them today. Commercial trailers, diesel equipment, serving Rhode Island and Massachusetts, 508-336-2110. 508-336-2110 for MEGA, M-E-G-A, MEGA truck and trailer repair. As I said, commercial trailers, diesel equipment, free estimates, FHWA inspections and Rhode Island State Inspection Station, trailer pickup and delivery, 24-hour mobile service, Serving Rhode Island and Massachusetts, it's MEGA Truck and Trailer Repair. Call them today, 508-336-2110, 508-336-2110. 
24-hour mobile service, and also ABS repairs, brakes, doors. Listen, if it's on a trailer, mega truck and trailer repair, they can repair it. Call them today, 508-336-2110, 508-336-2110. It's mega truck and trailer repair. Have you been thinking about updating your website? Do you have questions about how to get the most out of social media for your business? Would you like a free consultation from a local digital marketing professional who has been doing this work for 23 years? Contact Karen Etchells at Innovast Digital Marketing. Karen will help you better position your brand on the web to engage visitors and get results. She's local and responsive. Call Karen Etchells at 401-321-2799. That's 401-321-2799. Or find Karen on the web at www. Right now, I'll bet you could use some extra cash. Why not sell some of your gold, silver, other precious metals? Vero Industries, folks, over 40 years' experience, they will give you cash. They'll buy your gold, silver, other precious metals. Call Lee today at 401 401- 434-8900. Leo has over 40 years experience. It's VERO, Vero Industries. They will buy gold, silver, other precious metals, old, broken, new, silverware, jewelry, serving trays, tea, coffee sets, or pieces. Listen, why not right now? Sell it and get that cash that you need. Call Leo at Vero Industries, 401-434-8900 impeccable reputation folks they know the industry better than anyone and they'll give you what it's worth your gold silver also a buyer of individual coins coin collections watches half earring pieces and much more call leo at vero industries why not get some cash right now for that gold silver and other precious metals call leo 401-434-434 8900 weekend evening appointments are available two locations or at your location their location two locations east providence and warwick call them vero industries 401-434-8900 listen get cash for that gold silver other precious metals you have call leo 401-434-8900 one more time 434 8900 our segment is politics this week with me is justin katz managing editor oceanstatecurrent.com justin where what are your thoughts right now on the going back to school there is tremendous pushback as i mentioned they've already announced the three communities providence Pawtucket, central falls they will not have in-person learning they're saying for the at least the first two weeks i see no evidence it's going to stop after that uh, what are your thoughts? There's, there's a group that's out there that's very aggressive, and they're now trying to push. And Bob Walsh even said it from the teaching union last week that no student should return to the classroom. Little Compton, I think they're going to have the kids outside in, in tents or a big tent, but um, which I think is very wise. The virus doesn't dissipate. You know, it has trouble. It dissipates if you're outside. Uh, you can really do that. I think they should be utilizing more certain schools that have big campuses they're not going to use the football stadium you could even use that if you wanted but uh, what are your thoughts justin katz on this whole push of there were let's face it there are people that are trying to prevent anyone from returning back to school in the classroom well it's very it's very similar to what we were just discussing with you know cracking down on communities that have no cases um <clears throat> you start with uh an area where they're they'd have more difficulty and they've got stronger interests, special interests saying, no, we don't want to go back. That, that expands to nobody should go back because then we'll have, we'll have an equity problem. Uh, in some areas of the country, they, they've even floated the idea that uh, the government should shut down private schools too. So you have no escape. You can't, there can be no contrast between the public schools and the private schools. I think it's, it's all from, from any of the, the science and research I've seen, it's all just crazy. <laughs> I mean, the children aren't that heavily affected. Uh, the numbers are small anyway. Uh, the, the need to have students in the classroom and have just normal life and a socialization and all of that, uh, it, 
is very strong. We're, we're kind of admitting, I mean, if you, if you contrast the actual numbers and the threat of this virus, especially to children, if you contrast that with the, the restrictions some of these groups want to place on it, uh, you, you start to justify things like the Facebook meme I saw the other day saying, you know, teachers are now acknowledging they're not essential workers. Uh, you, you have to wonder, well, what if, if it's so, if we, if we can, if this is so unimportant that we can stop it based on this little bit of threat, then it must not be very important. Um, but, but here's an area again, where nationally you're, you're starting to see um, even some relatively progressive Democrats backing off the no let's keep schools closed thing and so it makes you think they're they're seeing polling data internally or we're just hearing from constituents for whom that won't fly uh but again these there are people who won't probably wouldn't speak up because you know who knows when the mob will show up at your house these days uh so you, there is probably a lot of a lot of talk off out out of view not not in the chat rooms on facebook but among people and, you know, calls and to survey uh, pollsters uh, saying, we, we're not going to stand for this. We need to go back. And again, Bob Walsh ought to consider, you know, from the NEA, at some point people say, well, if this is what I have to deal with engaging, you know, union driven public schools, that needs to change. And the first thing people will do is start to look to private schools or homeschooling, but then they'll, on a larger scale, they'll start to push back against the whole system. Uh, and then, so I think they are kind of playing with fire, uh, at least nationally in Rhode Island, the special interests are strong enough and the, <laughs> the mania seems to be pervasive enough that it may not come to anything here. Justin, don't you think, I mean, listen, they've had enough time to figure it out Instead of them focusing so much that no one should go back, my thought is figure it out. There has to be a way to do it. The science, CDC says children should be in school. They learn better when they're in school. But all of their time and effort seems to be focusing on trying to fight the return to school as opposed to let, – let's. Let, and the argument comes back, Have you, are you a teacher? Have you ever been in a classroom? Do you know what it's like? We, we know about the virus. We, we know about the hand washing, mask wearing, distancing. Come on, like figure it out. It's not, it's not that impossible, but I just don't see a big effort on trying to figure it out. I see far more effort on trying to, as we talked about, stop anyone from returning to the classroom. Yeah, and that's, I, I think that's, I mean, it's, this is right along lines of, uh, of the problem with the way we do things uh, through the public sector, especially in a heavily unionized uh, industry like education, you, there, you just can't, the, the incentives are all wrong and you can't adjust. So if you, if you follow, you know, if you try to listen in on conversations on Facebook or other, wherever, you know, these conversations happen, you, you could, there's a very big contrast I've noticed between families that have, that use private schools and family that, and families and teachers and that use public schools, uh, the public schools are almost, okay, let's sit back and wait and see what we're told what to do. Uh, the private schools, it's much more, here's what we're doing. We're going, yes. we're, we're going for this. We're making adjustments. We're changing our funding stream. We're, we're changing our investments. We're, we're going to be open. We're going to do this. We're doing everything. We're spending our entire summer <laughs> that we normally get off yes. to, to make sure we're, we're in a place where we can, we can open up and have students here because they have to, because if they right. don't, they go out of business in the, in the public right. sector. You don't have that. So they say, well, this is my summer. I'm going to take it off. Uh, let, let the union people I give money to uh, figure it out and they'll fight it out with our elected officials and that, that let them lose their summer. We'll come back and say, all right, well now I'm not trained on anything. I don't know, have any new technology. Uh, I don't have any new skills. It's just a very different attitude. It's almost, you could picture the fight if in the beginning of the summer, the, uh, <clears throat> the, the administrations of all the school districts in Rhode Island said, all right, well, I, I know summer's supposed to be your time off and we don't have money to give any more, <laughs> any more funding for the summer, but you need to spend the summer preparing, being trained on new technology, uh, coming up with solutions, going to workshops on what to help us figure out what to do. That, that would have been huge pushback. And I think we saw a small indication interpreted of what happens when that happened, when I can get that apparently early on in the, the pandemic, the local union head, Amy Mullen, uh, did something or disrupted some meeting. We don't have details. Uh, and the superintendent decided she had to go and be fired. The school committee voted unanimously. Yes, that had to be the case. 
so what do they do? They go to court. Now she's back at work. Uh, that's a small indication of, of the, the, the behemoth we're, we're fighting in this and where that prevents us uh, from, from adjusting to, to anything. And so what do you get? You get this refusal to adjust at all in one sector, in the public sector education, blows up into this concept of, well, then everybody has to live like this because we can't have anybody <laughs> seeing how, how it ought to be done, basically. And that, I, I don't know, I, as you say, <laughs> you have to wonder after all these months, when we'll start to see the pushback. But that's one area, this is one area where you really could start to see it because you know, even, even the good liberals will start to say, you know what, I'm going to pay for private school. I believe, I believe in public schools, but I'm going to pay for private school for my children. And here they come trying to shut that down for no reason. Uh, they, I, they may be playing with fire, but as I say, in Rhode Island, that may be true elsewhere. In Rhode Island, it's a little bit less easy to be optimistic. It's more of a national effort, but just some of the things that they uh, this demands that they talk about, they have a petition delay of at least two weeks, uh, a return to distance learning at the big uh, all Rhode Island schools, the beginning of 2021. And they're saying so second semester. And then they get into these other demands. The state must fund, provide alternative child care options, uh, additional funding, of course. They want all wraparound services for students, uh, which would be free breakfast, lunch. Um, how about the state must find, must fund and provide financial safeguards for families with school-aged children, eviction, utility moratoriums, flexible uh, unemployment, extended stimulus relief. Justin, the the state is is simply not in a position to you know to to grant all of these things, and certainly don't have the money for it. It goes from Rhode Island needs a safe return to school hashtag safe return to schools RI. But Justin, what it, it, it really comes down to is that under their guidelines, there's no scenario that it is to safe to return to school. Right. Or, I mean, under their guidelines, it seems like school just is not safe, period, ever. Yes. <laughs> yeah, because there's always some chance that there's a disease out there, or the flu even. Uh, and yeah, the, those are the two striking things about, I think, that, that petition in particular. One, you can't you can't just say the state should fund everything, especially when the state is cracking down and, and keeping half our economy closed. It, it, there's just there's no money there to do that. There's not a, a fund a, a tree. You don't you can't go you know like you can go gather quahogs in the the bay. You can't go pick out money to pay for the state to fund everything. And even if they could, you you end up with a disastrous result where nobody has to work. Uh, and just wants to be taken care of. But the other thing that jumps out about that letter is the the evidence they provide. I mean, in that petition, they provide links to stories or substantiate claims. And it's just fear mongering. Just it there, is. there is evidence that there can be lung damage, even in asymptomatic children. And if you follow the link, it's a single story of something a health director in Southern Florida said at a hearing. No, no evidence, no nothing, no, no context for what she's actually saying, and that that's just just recklessness. And in a country of you know, thirty, what are, what are we up to? Three hundred and thirty million people. You're yeah. going to be able to find somebody saying something. I mean, I think locally, I'll I'll just pick one of the people, one of the public officials here. I've found particularly objectionable. But but if you picture Steve Erickson uh, of the Board of Elections, who knows what somebody like that will say? And so oh, so he could say God. something. He could say something, and then. Right. You pay, the news picks that up in Arizona and says board of elections person says this. And then you're putting that in petitions demanding <laughs> closing schools or something. That's, that's kind of the level of, of intellect and, and rigor we're talking here. Uh, and, and I think that that's a strong indication that it is just a political push uh, for more, for more money, for more benefits. It's just the typical kind of uh, kind of um, union mentality and, and insider mentality, special interest mentality, that really in a situation like this should should just be a, a lesson to us all of, of how how we've let these groups get to this point that they think this is acceptable. Yes. Uh, and so hopefully they get no traction and, and the silent majority actually is kind of whispering to elected officials, no, you're opening schools one way or another. Well, they're definitely going to be fighting. But you raise a very good point. From what we understand, uh, I know of both uh, Bishop Hendrickson and LaSalle. They have, uh, you know, they've spent a good amount of money. They've invested. But more importantly, they've put a lot of effort into planning how the students can return safely. 
And you're exactly right. If not, they go out of business. Whereas you see the example with the public school teachers are just sitting back, took our summer. I had predicted this. I had said there's no way they're going back before Labor Day, especially Providence. They, they never do. They always go back the Wednesday after. Uh, and they certainly weren't going to do it uh, this time for um, the Education Commissioner, Fonte Green, and, and also uh, the governor. Hey, uh, Justin Katz, before we go, what do you make of uh, it is Rhode Island is still the only state that celebrates Victory Day, the end of the war, victory over Japan. And there are now some of the same people that wanted to get rid of the Columbus statue are saying it's time for uh, Rhode Island to get rid of that holiday. The one thing about that, I don't think that goes away because I think, as we know, all the state employees and everything, they get a, a paid day off. Here it is in August. I, I don't I think that's a perfect example. They're not going to they're not going to uh, let that go away. Yeah, I think the the fun thing about this this conversation is it's there are two competing statements. One is nobody even knows what it means. It's just another day off, so let's get rid of it. The other is everybody knows what it means, and they're going to go out and attack Japanese people because they're racist. Uh, they you can't have those two either. Nobody either nobody knows about it or everybody knows about it and is, is extremist. Uh, I yeah I, I think from the beginning, uh, if you read the histories of Victory Day in Rhode Island. From the beginning, it's or almost to the beginning, it's, it's been a day off. And whenever the conversation has come up, it's never, well, okay, this isn't worth celebrating. Let's take it off the list. It's always, all right, what else can we give people? Or else, how else can we rename this to be a, another day off that's that's justifiable without the, the baggage? And I think that that's what it is. It's built into contracts throughout the state, um, and everything in the state runs by government contracts. Uh, so I, I don't think it goes anywhere. Maybe they'll maybe they'll change the name uh, just to give Indigenous Peoples Day two or something uh, to to uh, give people the day off. But that's you know that's typical of how Rhode Island operates. Folks, he is the managing editor of OceanStateCurrent.com. It's Justin Cass. Justin, great job. Talk to you again. Stay safe. Yeah, you too, John. It's John DePietro on AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at the website, DePietro.com. This portion of the program is brought to you by West Fountain Auto Body. Now, you know, I didn't make a big deal about it, but my vehicle was actually damaged uh, by some of the protesters when I was covering one of the protests. I didn't make a huge deal about it. I wouldn't want to be the focal point, but it's true. Some of the uh, protesters, they did. They damaged my vehicle. They broke the window on the side of my car. So what did I do? I brought it to West Fountain Auto Body, and you can call them today, 272-3340. I had to get it fixed. It was obviously damaged. They also damaged part of the door. And so I took it to West Fountain. I called Kenny at West Fountain Auto Body, 401-272-3340. It's Kenny and Patricia, West Fountain folks. They did a fantastic job with me. I mean, that's there was only one place I was going to bring it. I needed to get my car fixed. Now, listen, if you're ever in an automobile accident, something happens to your vehicle, and you need to get it repaired, call West Fountain Auto Body, 272-3340, 272-3340, the original, the best, right behind the Providence Public Safety Complex. It's West Fountain Auto Body. Call them today, 272-3340. They'll handle everything for you. If you're in an accident, something happens to your car, bring it to West Fountain. 400 West Fountain Street, Providence, right behind the Providence Public Safety Complex. West Fountain Auto Body. Have you been thinking about updating your website? Do you have questions about how to get the most out of social media for your business? Would you like a free consultation from a local digital marketing professional who has been doing this work for 23 years? Contact Karen Etchells at Innovast Digital Marketing. Karen will help you better position your brand on the web to engage visitors and get results. She's local and responsive. Call Karen Etchells at 401-321-2799. That's 401-321-2799. Or find Karen on the web at www. Mega Logistics, they're there to help you. Give them a call today, 401-431-2300. MEGA Mega Logistics. If you have freight, you need freight, goods, third-party brokers for your company, warehousing and transportation. How about custom freight, supply chain management, routing, bill auditing, customer developing, proven track record with Fortune 500 companies, you can depend on MEGA, M-E-G-A, Logistics. Call them today, 
401-2300. Does that sound like your company? Maybe you have freight or you need freight goods, third-party brokerage, warehousing, transportation, custom freight. They have the experience. Call them today. MEGA Logistics, 401-431-2300. You're listening to The John DePietro Show. Folks, weekdays, we start at 11, we go until 2. It's AM 1380. Remember now, Providence and North of Providence, I want you to try the 99.9 FM, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at the website. Visit it, depetro.com, D-E-P-E-T-R-O.com. Right on the top on the left-hand side, you'll see where it says Listen Live. Just click on that. Anywhere in the world, you can listen while we're live on the air. And then right below that, on the dashboard, at the website, You'll see where it says radio show. If you ever miss any part of the show, you just click on radio show and folks, boom, there it is. You can pull it up. It's all in library fashion. And remember, the uh, Facebook Live is very, very popular. Check out the Facebook page. It's John DePietro Show on Facebook. And then you can also follow me on Twitter and Instagram and also on YouTube. Again, it's all under John DePietro Show. Folks, remember... For all your tree service, well, you want to call Yankee Tree. Call them today, 401-439-6028. Yankee Tree Service, yankeetreeservice.com. What can they do? They do it all. Tree trimming. Experts based right in Lincoln. Tree removal since 2006. And also 24-7 emergency service available. Call Yankee Tree Service today, 439 439- 6028 439 6028 whether it's tree removal stump grinding tree pruning emergency service bucket truck at service and bobcat service since 2006 they've been performing tree removal service on top of that nothing stumps yankee tree service they provide stump grinding enjoy your landscape without the eyesore as far as pruning well let them get up there oftentimes a tree can be pruned instead of cutting it down at Yankee Tree Service, their licensed arbiters help you decide what's best, the treatment plan for your tree. And maybe it's an emergency service. Did something come down? Call them today, 439-6028, 439-6028. If they have to, they get right up there in the bucket. Yankee Tree Service, since 2006, tree trimming experts. Give them a call, 439-6028, or online at yankeetreeservice.com.